into it tonight. We're going to keep going. Twisted Scripture series, like Jordan said. 1 Corinthians 10. It's probably um, actually a, a verse in that chapter that you may have had a, a friend or, or somebody kind of loosely reference to you if you've had like a, a rough day or, or things have just been really hard. They might have said, like, it's okay. God's just, he's not going to give you anything more than you can handle. You'll, you'll be fine, right? And that passage, that verse was probably just kind of barely in mind, but that's actually not really what it's saying at all. We get to untwist that tonight. Paul's actually talking about temptation, and that's that's what we're talking about tonight. So open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 10, or your phones, or whatever you got. Um, we're talking about temptation. And temptation is something that all of us who belong to Jesus are still wrestling with, right? We, we actually are people who are simultaneously like wretched sinners that are still wanting to please our flesh. And we're, we're people who are righteous because of what Jesus has done. And we're, we're in this battle with sin. And actually, like, this isn't, this isn't something that's just uncommon. We're going to find out tonight. Like, even the Apostle Paul himself tells us how great of a struggle this is for him and, and what's going on in his own heart. And so, you, you actually, if you belong to Jesus, you might be extremely exhausted in this battle. Like you, you actually don't feel like you've gained that much ground lately. And maybe, maybe this summer and, and even just the time in isolation over a coronavirus, if that was you, like was actually difficult. And like, that's, that's, that's been something that you just like feel shame about. And you, you haven't been able to, to kind of defeat some sin that you really thought you were going to be able to defeat. And so if you're exhausted thinking like, where is God in temptation? Like, where is he? Like, I thought he was supposed to, to help me. And you're, you're struggling with, I don't know, pornography, or you're struggling with um, masturbation or gossip. What, whatever it is, you're, you're maybe losing hope, like in you changing, and you being able to, to actually see some victory over those sins. Maybe, maybe you've even question your salvation because you feel like you should actually already kind of have gotten a hold of those some more. Like you, you know some other people that have been following Jesus just like you and, and they don't struggle with those things. And that's been something that you, you struggled with. And you're just, you're, you're feeling powerless. You don't, you don't feel like there's an escape for your temptation. Like when you, when you feel that urge, when you feel that temptation, there's, there's no time between you feeling that and you clicking on that website. And you're, you're tired of confessing to your group the same, the same thing over and over again and just not feeling like you're, you're getting anywhere. Temptation might actually feel like it's so overbearing that you don't know what to do. And some people actually think that the Corinthian church might have actually written to Paul saying that they felt such a like overbearing temptation that they didn't know what to do. That, that might have been the case. And I think that probably is what's going on. Paul's writing to them with that in mind. We, we actually get to do the work of figuring out what Paul is saying and how that actually speaks to us because scripture is relevant to us even today. So go down to verse 11. That's where we're going to be. We're going to be in verse 11 through 14. 
Now it starts with saying, now these things happen to them as an example. So we've got to figure out what these things are, first of all. I think hopefully you've caught on to this. If we're going to untwist some scripture, we've got to figure out what's actually going on. And so in order to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to quickly look at verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read them for us and figure out what these things are. So verse 1, Paul says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers, who were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate from the same spiritual food, and all drank from the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Okay, whoa, it's a lot. And Paul is saying, especially in those first couple of verses, some extremely cool things about Jesus, that he was with the people of Israel in spiritual form when they were fleeing from the Egyptians, that he was with them. And God did these stunning miracles that Paul lists off, making a way for the people of Israel, providing for them. But I, I don't want us to miss what's here as well. Paul gives these four examples, these four failures of the people of Israel falling. Like they weren't above this and neither, neither are we. What happened was their trust in God just kind of went down a couple of notches. They, they thought that actually, like, they, they had it made. You know, like, they, they were God's people, but they, they actually still struggled with sin, and, and it caused them to fall. And if, if there's anything that the Old Testament is trying to teach us, trying to get across to us, it's that, like, we have to be serious about fighting sin. We have to be people who take our sin seriously. And so sin needs to be dealt with, right? Like we, we cannot profess to follow Jesus and still be living in sin, still not be going to war against sin. But what has God done to help us? Like what, is, what has he done to help us with temptation? What has he done to actually help us in that moment when we just like feel the only thing we really want to do is to click on that website or to talk badly about that person behind their back? Like, is the only thing God has done for us is, like, forgive us of our sins, just like all of them, and then just left us to, to figure it out? Or has he done more? Like, like is there something more for us? That's what we're going to see in our text, verses 11 through 14. I'm just going to read verse 11 right now. It says, now these things, right? We know what these things are now, this example. These things happen to them, the people of Israel, as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. We Christians are these people on whom the end of the ages has, has come. Like we're, we're the people living in this unique time in redemptive history that 
We have the, the promises of God. We have the example of the Old Testament. We have what's happened to God's people throughout the generations. And we have the amazing grace of Christ. We have his spirit in us. We have this moment in history that God has allowed us to live in. We get to live in this time. We're the people on whom the end of the ages has come. Like Jesus could return at any minute. All right. Verse 12. What's it got? It says, therefore, like because of this, because of all of the examples we have, because we're living in this particular time, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Paul's saying, if you think that you can actually take care of your temptation on your own, if you can fight sin on your own, if you think you're just not in need of God's power for that, you're going to fall. You're going to fall flat on your face. Like, guys, temptation is no different than being on the edge of a cliff that's just so, so high up that if you fall, it's going to kill you. Like, sin does that. In, in James chapter 1, we actually see that we're the ones responsible. We're the ones that create our temptation because of our evil desire. Verse 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Like, like don't think that you're not actually capable of just falling off that cliff. Like, if you know how great temptation can be at some times and what sin does to you and how it separates you from God, its result is death. And so temptation is from our flesh. Like James is clear on this, and its result is death. So again, all the more reason why sin is something we have to deal with seriously. And so at the moment, at the moment of temptation, we're on that cliff. And guys, check this out. One more time, back up to the first couple of verses, actually verses 7 through 10 in particular. Notice how many times in each of these four examples, Paul says, some of them, some of them were, some of them fell, some of them were led away. That's, that's actually something that's really interesting because not everyone fell in each particular way. Yes, everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God, but yet temptation itself is not irresistible. God is faithful. That's what Paul says next. Or sorry, we're going to go verse 13. He says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So there's, there's something that Paul wants to get across to these Corinthian believers. There's something that we need to know as well, that temptation is actually controlled by God, yet it's something that we produce, like we're the ones with the evil, wicked hearts, yet he actually makes it so that we aren't tempted more than what we can handle. We're not tempted beyond our ability. And what Paul tells them next is God is faithful, right? I, I think he's trying to get across to them that there's something significant, there's something good about recalling who God is, what he has done in the moment of temptation. Like, 
that, that's something that we have to set our minds on. We have to choose to make a conscious effort to do that. And as Jesus was actually really clear that when he departed, the spirit coming was to our advantage. Like we, we have the spirit that can do those things in us, that can call to mind truths of God, his faithfulness. Like he can actually help us in our struggle with sin. We see that it's not only that God's just making sure that we're not tempted beyond our ability, but with the temptation, God's going to provide the way of escape. Have you guys ever done an escape room? Yeah, a couple of you. Okay, what's the what's the goal in an escape room? To escape, right? Okay, it's pretty simple. So I've done a couple escape rooms. I dabble with escape rooms. I'm not like that great at escape rooms. I don't have like crazy escaping skills. I'm not a great creative problem solver. But I was doing an escape room one time with some family, and we we actually like were really running out of time quick. Like we, we had probably about a minute left. There's a whole bunch of us in this small little, well, it's actually two rooms. This, um, this second room had been open to us during the time we were in there, obviously doing the escape room by this like false door, this false wall. So it was a, it was a pretty cool escape room, not gonna lie. Uh, and they're in there figuring out the last code to get out, like the door, I've already checked out the door. It's got like little like keypad on it and we're getting close, but time is like running out quick. And I'm not of any help in this because I don't understand the last bit. It's not, yeah, everyone back there knows. Um, so I'm like looking at the clock, like 45 seconds, shoot, okay. And so I'm like, I'm just gonna go to the door and I'm just gonna wait at the door so when they figure it out, hopefully they'll figure it out, I'll just be ready to punch in the code and we'll be good and we'll escape. About 40 more seconds go by, and they start screaming out the code, right? They're, they're screaming out. I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm punching them in like crazy, and I go to open the door, nothing. And I'm like, okay, like one more time, boom, 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 nothing. Dang it, like the timer goes off, it's like all demoralizing, and it's probably like, you failed. And I don't, did the, the room might have like exploded, I don't know. Like we didn't die, but it like pretended to explode. Anyways. And the dude comes in and he's like, good job guys, like you almost did it, you were so close. Yeah. Uh, and he comes up to me and he's like, did you, did you hit the pound key on the thing? Like, and I was like, he was like, cause I was watching on the camera, like there's cameras in the room, I was watching on the cameras and it didn't seem like you were hitting the pound key. Because what I had done was I had missed the instructions that were literally just above the keypad on the door. You have to press pound. Like I think it was small text, but I don't remember really. I had I had actually missed the instruction. Like, and I, I think we can actually do this a lot. We, we're capable of doing this. We struggle with doing this when it comes to the example that's in the Old Testament. Like one more thing from before our verses tonight in chapter ten is that when Paul's saying an example, he says it twice. This this is actually a word that's kind of trying to get across to us more than just an example. It's like the great warning. It's a huge example. It's the example. And so I had, I had missed this significant bit of instruction. And I, I think we can actually do that when it comes to the Old Testament and how it pertains to us, how it warns us of the folly of sin. And so 
that was a that was like a super demoralizing time in the escape room, right? And I was I was trying to escape. I was trying to escape, punching it in, but I had not heeded the instruction, right? Paul says, "Take heed of the you know examples, lest you fall." And so, when it comes to to battling temptation, I think some of us we can actually kind of be not that serious when it comes to fighting it. We can just kind of be complacent. We can we can feel like since there's such great grace from Jesus, like we don't actually have to be that serious. We don't have to take radical measures in fighting our sin. And the the final verse, I'll just read it for us now. Verse 14 says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Like Paul is saying, yes, God's going to, to make sure you're not tempted beyond your ability. Yeah, he's going to actually provide the way of escape. But you, you have a responsibility, too. You have to flee from idolatry. Let me, let me ask you, like, have you, have you done anything that's like fleeing? That's like going the other direction, that's running away, doing things that you actually have the power to do to avoid falling? To avoid falling into temptation. Like if you struggle with watching things on the internet and you've got a computer and you've got a smartphone in your room and you're just like living with that, like you have a you have a living lion in your bedroom that's gonna devour you. You haven't taken radical measures to avoid falling. Like that needs to get out of there. You have to you have to do some things, you have a responsibility to actually not put Jesus to the test. You you have a responsibility to flee from idolatry. Like maybe maybe it's even time to go so radically into this fleeing that you you actually like get rid of your smartphone. Because the thing is like okay yes right God is not going to give us more temptation than we can handle but yet in the same chapter we're the ones to flee from idolatry. Idolatry is literally just anything that we worship that's not God. It's some created thing that we're putting in the place of God. Saying he isn't actually as good as this thing. And so I want to talk about God making a way, providing a way for us. Because when it comes to actually taking that fork in the road, when we avoid sin, when we're tempted and we avoid sin, it's not... It's not us. Like, that's something he set up, yet we have a responsibility to actually put ourselves in the situations to, to maybe remove certain things in our life that wouldn't be such great aids to our temptation. Like, fleeing is this active thing, right? Like, if, if you're fleeing from danger, you're probably doing it because your life depends on it. So does your life depend on you fleeing from idolatry, you fleeing from sin. Does your attempt to flee from sin, to, to kind of war against sin, stop before you're even inconvenienced? Do you, do you put Jesus to the test by just kind of saying, like, I'm going to keep all of these things around, and I'm just going to see what you're capable of doing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if you can really provide the way of escape, but I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to see what you can do, God. That's not how this works. That's not how this works in Paul's mind. 
I hope that's not how this works in your mind. That this command is for us to flee, to run away. There's a, there's a poor way in, in my past that I kind of went about this too. I, I thought that I actually was wise enough, wasn't, to determine kind of where this line was between just kind of getting enough pleasure, getting enough that wasn't quite sin, but just kind of being close to this line where I determined that this is sin, this isn't sin. And that was me saying, I think I can stand. Like, I think I can get all the way there. And that, that's not actually how it went down. Like, that's, that's something that I fell in because I thought it was on me. That whole thought process was sinful. It was, how much can I please my flesh? Not, how much can I please you, Jesus? So, okay, Christian, in this room, since temptation is something that, that we still struggle with, right? We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to avoid these places, websites, devices, whatever it is. But this doesn't mean that we just sometime soon arrive at being free from all temptation, does it? No. It does mean, though, because we belong to Jesus, that we have the power to say no to sin. Like we have the power to escape sin because of God's faithfulness. The, the spirit of the only man to ever completely avoid falling into sin, tempted beyond measure, tempted for 40 days in the wilderness, tempted all the time, was able to say no to sin every time. We get, the, we get the privilege, we have the responsibility now to live as the holy people God has already made us in Christ. Like, guys, your temptation is deadly. That's what I want to get across. Your temptation is deadly, but your God is faithful. He's with you in this battle. My big idea for us is sin matters to God. So he's done something about it. Sin matters to God, so he's done something about it. He's gone all the way across to deal with sin and put away sin. He's given us his spirit to empower us to, to walk in the light and to obey, and to, to actually say no to temptation. And God doesn't just forgive us of our sins. He actually has done something to help us fight sin, right? He doesn't allow temptation to be more than he can handle, than, than we can handle. In fact, there's, there's no temptation out there that's greater than his power in us. Like he's always going to provide the way of escape for us. The question is, are we even looking for it? And so some of you actually may have recently had a victory over sin. Like you, you've actually been able to see a temptation that used to just be there all the time, a temptation that you used to give in all the time kind of get removed. Like maybe maybe it's something that hasn't even come across your mind lately. It hasn't been something that has come up. Tonight, I want you to remember that that's actually something that, that you haven't manufactured, you haven't brought about. It's something God's brought about. Like you didn't do anything for that to happen. God did that. Don't fall into the pride of thinking that that you're better than your other brother and sister, that you aren't struggling with that anymore. 
Like, God has brought you to saving faith. This is the gospel. He's brought you to saving faith, not because of works done by you in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And he's kept you in Christ. The reason you're still a believer today, because you started, not because you started to take sin more seriously, but because he bought you with his blood. When you were far off, he brought you near. You didn't bring the deliverance from this temptation about God did it because he's faithful. He's going to continue to be faithful to you. But maybe maybe that's not you. Like you, you actually haven't gotten that victory over sin that you just want, and you're still struggling with something that is defeating you. I want to remind you of the gospel, too, in a way that hopefully brings hope and courage for this battle. Actually, in the beginning of this letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul tells these Christians that it's Jesus who will sustain them to the end, guiltless in the day of his return. He tells them that God is faithful. It's by him that you were called into the fellowship of his Son, the gospel tells you, struggling Christian, that Jesus has paid your debt. Like the perfect Son of God has swapped places with you. You have his righteousness. That can't be taken away from you. That actually frees you to be somebody who confesses that you're still struggling. That, that asks a fellow brother or sister for help. You have freedom to walk in. You have more grace available, not to abuse, but to depend on for this battle. So you can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, start to just intensify this war with sin, bringing community around you. People that will speak the gospel over you when you, when you slip up. Guys, whichever, whichever boat you're in, and maybe you, maybe you feel like you're kind of in both a little bit, one, one response that we all have is worship. Like we, we all have one response for sure. None of us are free from sin completely. To worship God's faithfulness. That's our response. So I'm going to pray for us. Nils is going to come back up. We're going to respond to our God who does take sin seriously. Who, who has gone all the way to the cross because his justice demanded it. But it was his mercy that moved him to come to rescue us in Christ. Let's, let's pray and let's respond in worship.